So knowing what you're going to be doing, having your day planned and then just executing. Yeah. Execute, right? Because after all the prayer and everything is done, you still have to take action, right? So when I've done those things consistently, oh man, like it's just hidden, 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 hidden. And then as you get wiser and you start to get new information, then you can add that into the process too, right? Because yeah. we're always growing, we're always learning. Mm-hmm. But you need to do the best you can with what you know right now. The top three responses that I get when I ask, why do you want to leave corporate America? Are that you want financial freedom, you want to own your own time, and you want to build a legacy for this generation and generations to come. Now, this is not a solo job. In order to transition from your nine to five into entrepreneurship, it's going to take community and it's going to take resources. And I've created the community of pioneers who are going to wrap around you and help you make that transition successfully. So if you're interested in leaving your job, go ahead and click that information below. Let's get into the community and let's transition from your nine to five into entrepreneurship successfully. Now let's get back to the episode. Welcome to another episode of the Work and Play Podcast. I'm your host, Ariel Young, and I have the really, really great guest here, Mr. Dawood Hamaz. Yeah. Hamza. Hamza. Yep. Dawood. Da- is it is the Dawood. W really? Dawood. There you Hamza. go. Yeah. Yesterday when you did your um your like the when you started your speech with yeah. like explaining like how it's actually spelled, I was like, I'm glad you did it. It was real classy. Thank you. Thank because you, like, you know, when people misspell your name or mispronounce it you kind of like stuck like okay now yeah but you did it real classy you did it I, I, I liked it <laughs> you can tell I'm used to hearing it the wrong way so I'm like let's get this out of the way yes at the beginning I loved it I yeah. loved it um so without further ado would yeah. you like to introduce yourself to the folks yeah so again my name is Daoud Hamza um, a little bit about myself uh, currently I am a youth motivational speaker uh, I'm also a licensed life insurance broker and I also do real estate investing uh, I'm a father of two beautiful young children. My son is six, my daughter is four, and I've also been married for five years to my wife, Sadea. And uh, yeah, I'm on this entrepreneurship journey, really getting heavy into the speaking arena now, uh, taking that serious. So uh, that's how we met, you know, at a speaker's conference. So I'm excited about what the next 12 months really are going to look like, uh, really honing in on my craft and my skill set. Absolutely. It's so much to get into, but you're right. We we did meet at the speaker's conference, but we are part of the same community of of entrepreneurs who meet 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. But because we're all on Zoom, you know, everybody doesn't get a chance the interface so yeah. it was kind of like fam as soon it was as like I think fam. <laughs> fam at first sight right <laughs> fam at first sight so yeah. um without further so okay got you so into into your story I'm trying to figure out where should we even start because mm. on the work and play podcast one I truly believe that if you play while you work you never have to work a day in your life facts and facts. As of right now, the entrepreneurship journey has has provided me with that opportunity to do that. Yeah. But for you, the transition, the career, the life journey, it might look a little bit different. So it was a roller coaster. Let's start with um, what did you do when you had your nine to five? So uh, I spent most of my career in the retail arena. Um, so I started in retail when I was 16 and I got my first job working at Target. My mom got me hired off the strength of her work ethic and her word. So they brought me in. I didn't have to interview anything. The guy sat me down and said, your mom's a phenomenal worker. We're going to hire you. And um, that meant a lot to me. Uh, You know, I value my mom uh, being the type of person that she was so reputable that they just 
said, go right ahead. Yeah. So uh, she also made them a promise that I would work and be better than her. So I had to uphold this, <laughs> I had to uphold this expectation at this point. And she knew I had a strong work ethic all the way from when I was a, a young boy. Um, but I did. I went in and I, I went in, you know. So by 18, I got my first promotion. By 20, I got promoted again. 22, I was promoted again. 24, I was promoted again. And uh, by the time I was 24, I was making more than my mom and my dad combined. Mm. And uh, I stayed on that retail journey. I had a little bit of ups and downs, but most of the time I was in that same like pay grade around a 55, 53,000 dollars a year. And then I got into a very, um, very good position working as a district manager for a retail drugstore. And uh, that really put me in a different element. You know, I was making a six figure income that allowed me the freedom to really uh, not have to worry about my wife after work. You know, I was able to take care of everything, you know, with the income I was making and also dabble in some, you know, some entrepreneurship investments. Nice. Um, so it gave me some flexibility and some freedom with the income I was earning. But I knew it wasn't going to last me forever. Yeah. Yeah. You knew the you knew the nine to five wasn't gonna last. I long. knew what you know. I had been looking in, into entrepreneurship, and mm-hmm. I learned about personal development at about twenty one. Uh, I actually got licensed as a life insurance agent at twenty one. Okay. And someone gave me a disc from a guy named uh, Art Williams, and that was one of the first personal development CDs I ever heard. Oh. Yeah. And by the time I was twenty four, I got introduced into multi level marketing, and I heard about Jim Rohn, and mm-hmm. it just blew my mind. Mm-hmm. You know, really understanding like, number one, I always love to speak. And uh, when I start hearing some of these motivational speakers, I was like, that's that's it right there. Like, that's what I want to do. Yeah. But I knew for if not anything else, I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I wanted to work for myself. I wanted to control my time more. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to be able to be my own boss. Um, and I also wanted to not have have a cap on my income. I didn't want somebody to tell me what my value was at mm-hmm. a job and say, this is as much as you can earn here. Yeah. I wanted to be able to control that in my life. That's lit. I, I, I love your, your air about you. And what I mean is, well, the first thing that I thought was, one, you were like accelerated into management at such a young age. Yeah. So I feel like that gave you this like maturity that a lot of people who are 24 just yeah. don't have. Yeah, with no degree, by the way. No degree, exactly. No degree. Yeah. And the other thing that resonates with your story, so I worked at my first job in corporate was actually Target. Wow. But I went straight to Minneapolis. That's awesome. And I always say like, I admire the corporate, like my corporate colleagues yeah. who started from like um like store like mm-hmm. like you know store level yeah team member then went to etl and then stl then distribution and they made that because yeah. because you guys have such more knowledge about like retail so yeah. when you think about like your early business experience like what was your biggest takeaway as a businessman that you got from like that retail experience um really leadership mm. you know and i think that leadership translates into any arena that you're ever going to operate in mm. i had the opportunity to really learn uh, unconsciously about leadership growing up. You know, my grandfather was a minister. That taught me a lot about how he moved and operated as a leader. We had a family restaurant I grew up in. Mm. So I saw business and I saw how my, my grandfather and my father conducted business and uh, having that early exposure, but then going into Target and really having an opportunity for that leadership to be molded a little bit more, be uh, 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 enhanced a little bit more. I went through Target's leadership college. Mm. You know, I didn't actually, know they had a leadership yeah, college. So when you get promoted to an executive team leader, you actually go through an eight week program uh, which is a specific leadership training for Target. Uh, so that gave me an opportunity to really take my leadership understanding and my knowledge and my skill set to 
a whole nother level. And that that helped me in so many different facets of life. Like, I mean, from what I do right now in business, how I interact with teams, how I delegate, mm -hmm. you know, all of those things I learned from the principles and things like that at Target. Yeah. Wow. So take it. So taking this maturity and then this sense of like um, urgency to like live up to your parents standard Absolutely. in their name, then on into um, sales. Right. Mm -hmm. So so I would well, because I would imagine that leadership is one thing. But then I know so many people who don't translate that leadership skill into like actual sales. Yeah. So what was that journey like? So um, I was doing a lot of entrepreneurship roles as I was still working my job. Mm. So I went into, like I said, uh, I was a licensed life insurance agent early on. Mm -hmm. uh, kind of got burnt a little bit in that arena. I didn't really know any better. Let's what does getting burnt look like? So when I first got into life insurance, um, they didn't explain to me what a chargeback was. Okay. Right. So a chargeback is basically when you issue a policy to a client. If that client cancels that policy before it hit, it matures, which is a twelve month period. Okay. You would have to pay back any money or difference of the money that the client has not paid because in life insurance, they advance you funds, mm -hmm. right? They advance you your pay okay. as, a, as an agent. Okay. So you write a policy and you would get nine, you would, they would take that premium for one month, multiply it times nine and pretty much pay you that in advance. Okay. So they cancel. And you're like, well, hey, we ain't even get eight months out of this yet. <laughs> you got to get the money back. Yeah. And uh, I had no idea. Like my... I guess you can call him my, my upline or whatnot. He didn't explain that to me. Mm -hmm. So I wrote my first policy. I'm young. I'm 21. I'm ex entrepreneurship. But I learned about residual income at this point. Mm -hmm. I never knew. I never heard the term before. So I heard about residual income and I wrote this policy for this family. And I didn't know that, you know, the, the husband at the time, he was dealing with some diabetes and he got a medical exam mm -hmm. and he got denied. Mm -hmm. So he said, well, hey, if I can't get covered, I just want to cancel the policy for my whole family. Mind you, I made about $550 for a one-time sit-down appointment. Like, that was mind-blowing. Like, yeah. it was like an hour of sitting down with somebody, wrote a policy, made $500, yeah. I'm 21. Uh, right. Mind-blowing, right? And then my upline calls me and says, hey, you need to pay that money back. Like, they canceled the policy. I'm like, oh, that money, that, that money gone. <laughs> I'm like, spent that money already. Yeah. And since you didn't tell me this, I'm gone too. Yeah. Like you didn't explain that to me, so yeah. I don't want to do this anymore. So that was a you know very fast process of my introduction to entrepreneurship, and then a few years later, I got introduced to multi-level marketing, yeah. and I actually had some success. Uh, actually, one of the companies that I was in at the time helped me and my wife get you know closer. We've been friends for many many years. She was actually my first ever girlfriend when I was ten. Aww. Yeah, yeah. So I've known my wife for. Uh, 22 years, 23 years. Okay. And uh, I ended up getting into this company and I recruited her. <laughs> really? I recruited her as one of my reps at the time and I helped her earn $1,000, you know, working in that uh, multi-level marketing. Mm -hmm. And that helped her move. She was in the process of moving, so okay. it got her some money in her pocket to move. But yeah. in that arena, I made decent amount of money. I knew how to talk to people. I knew how to engage. I knew how to speak. I would speak in front. I had no problem with speaking in front of a crowd. So yeah. uh, multi-level marketing is really about selling people a dream mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying selling mm -hmm. them a dream and getting them to buy into that dream and getting them to understand that they fit in it you know like you fit in this dream like it's not just for me because I'm winning like you can win too okay and uh, it went good for a while and you know then you start getting people that fall off and it was a process and you know eventually I started moving from one company to another and I didn't really understand the multi-level marketing arena too well mm -hmm. uh, but if one big leader left and you were in their umbrella, you kind of wanted to be with that same leader. Okay. You know, so I followed 
a few leaders as they tried or went to different companies. And it kind of just burnt me out for a while. You know, it was like, oh, now it's a new company, a new product, a new presentation to learn, mm-hmm. a new spiel. Mm-hmm. I'm calling people over and over again and maybe I burnt them because they were in this company. Now I'm saying come to this company and they're spending money and maybe they didn't make money. So eventually I was like, it's just not for me anymore. And my wife mm-hmm. was at, the, at that point, I did it for years. And my, you know, me and my uh, wife now, we were dating there, but eventually she was just like, I can't do this anymore. Like, mm. you got to let that go. Mm. So, um, well, let me, let me ask you, the biggest part about multi-level marketing is mm-hmm. to sell people the dream mm-hmm. and then to get them to understand how they fit into the dream mm-hmm. and then allow them to like, I guess, sell other people on the dream. Yeah. And I really, I actually like try to go to bat for multi-level. I've never been in multi-level yeah. marketing, Yeah. but of course people in my circle would say it's a scam right (laughs) Right. and I'm like well I feel like there are pros and cons to it but when you explain it from like a dream perspective and then you you tell me you get burnt what's the like value in multi-level marketing in your own words personal development okay I will tell somebody to go join a multi-level marketing company just for personal development Mm. I had never been exposed to personal development on the level that I was exposed to it in multi-level marketing Mm -hmm. and another piece I would add is environment Mm -hmm. like if you've been in in any level of multi-level marketing or a big event if you will you've seen some people who are really winning yeah. Right. You see some people that are making 10, 15, 20, 30, 40,000, 100,000 dollars a month. Mm-hmm. And a lot of us have never experienced that. Yeah. We've never experienced that. And experience changes your perspective on what's possible for you. I love it. So because of those experiences and me seeing, you know, like we go into stadiums and half of the stadium is packed out with people in this multi-level marketing business. And, yeah. you know, it's red carpet or it's a Bentley sitting down on the, on the floor of the, of the stage and, um, you know, talking to people who are like really doing very well in it and seeing their cars and everything. And you're like, wow, mm-hmm. this is possible. Yeah. Right. So I think just that those two pieces was everything for me. I wouldn't I would not take back one moment of my time in multi-level marketing. Okay. I had so much great exposure and so many great connections and resources I made. My mentor to this day, I met in multi-level marketing. Dope. So one other thing so I can understand the process, Mm -hmm. Um, because like I tell you, when I say I I literally do try to support the movement, the reason is because I work with young people experiencing homelessness. Mm -hmm. And I kind of feel like MLM is like low barrier. Like if you can get the funds, the initial funds to get in, then you can literally be in an environment that will help you get to where you need to go. And all you need to do is use your own uh, like will and own ability. So when I when I I hear you say personal development and environment definitely understand and then I hear you say there are successful people in it yeah is it based on the skill set of being able to sell you on a dream or to sell the product so um, it's a mixture right because you think about usually the product is really not the big deal mm. right the product is there mm-hmm. right it's like it's like a it's like a speaker coming in and he also has a book. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So the product is there, it's okay. great, but what's the real value? The value is the person. Okay. Right? The value is the people, your circle, um your your market if you will. Mm. Right? Because most multi-level marketing companies really are built upon and stabilized by people buying into the vision. 
okay. than the dream, mm. right? So, uh, you know, like for example, I was in a, a company that sold coffee. You know, I wasn't a huge fan of the coffee, to be honest. I, it was it was okay, but I, I just wasn't a real big coffee fan. Mm-hmm. Um, but most of the customers was also rep. So it wasn't a big customer base outside of the people who are already signed up in the business. Okay. Most of the volume from the, for the sales came from people buying their own packages. Got it. And sampling their own product. Yeah. And hosting events. Yeah. And have their product at the event. So uh, the product isn't what, in my opinion, isn't what really makes the business like phenomenal. It's the people. Mm. It's the people. And if you want to learn how to network great and build great relationships and even some foundational pieces about business and leadership. Yeah. Multi-level marketing is an incredible way to start because usually it's a low overhead, yeah. low starting cost, yeah. and it's a, all, it's a business package ready to go. Right. So I, I recommend people give it a shot to get the skill set, especially if you're at a young age. I love it. I love it. And because we're here um, talking about like, we'll, we kind of connect on the, the speakers um, mm-hmm. uh, conference. I feel like there is room to like give like give other young people who like I'm in the still in the lane of speak are experiencing homelessness and yeah. even young people in, in high schools. Just another way of, of earning money. Yeah. Right. Another way of reaching their full potential. And based on what you're saying, if whatever the product is, whatever multi-level marketing company it is, You'll probably find people who you, they're creating community around a product, but yep. the product is not w- really what it is. Exactly. It's just a whole bunch of people who like coffee, but they are selling each other on a bigger vision. On a bigger vision. So you had like a lot of practice selling people on vision. Oh, man. Thank you so much for watching the Work and Play podcast. This episode is sponsored by the Boss Up Conference, which is a community for entrepreneurs, CEOs, celebrities, and corporate executives to come together, network, and solve some problems. Thank you all so much for being supporters of the Work and Play podcast. And thank you for watching the Work and Play podcast and all the episodes before. Now, let's get back to the episode. I was in it for years. Mm-hmm. I was in it for years. I never had great success either, just being honest. Like, I did okay. Mm-hmm. I made some money. Mm-hmm. But uh, I probably spent more than I made, you know, big events, you know, going to the weekly trainings, hosting events in my home. But I did it all. Yeah. I did all of it. Yeah. And uh, it was it was an awesome experience overall. That's dope. Yeah. Um, so, let me get your story together, right? So, um, 18, you started working at Target. 16. 16, you started working at Target. Got it. That is is why my numbers okay 16 started working at target off your mom off the strength of your mom yep. four years in you got up you got you went all the way up to so um, within six years six so, years no 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 because you were 24 i'm sorry eight years so by the age of 24 so from 16 to 24 right i got to an executive team leader role and during that time 21 is when you started mlm no 21 that's when i got licensed life insurance life yep. insurance yep and then i want to say 24 is mlm 24 so 24 is mlm so so there's um you see I'm putting these yeah. timelines together. Yeah. So so there's ETL, you leave ET, you leave the executive team leader position. At twenty four I did. Yep. Got it. What I made you a, leave? I was in a multi level marketing company and so I was like, was this is like- it. <laughs> I was like, this is it. I don't need to work a job. Like I was so, at that point, I was so sold on the vision Got it. and the dream. Um, and, and let me backtrack. I want to say I might even started multi-level marketing around 22. Okay. Um, because when I think of when I left Target, that's when I was selling coffee. Mm-hmm. And I, at this point, I had been in probably three or four companies. Um, so at that point, I'm like, this is it. Like, I don't need to work a job for anybody anymore. I had a little bit of money saved up. I'm like, I can do this on my own. And uh, 
I learned the hard way that I wasn't prepared yet. You know, I wasn't mature enough and disciplined enough to really take on that journey yet to mm-hmm. be my own boss. Mm-hmm. So ended up, you know, as I was still doing multi-level marketing, ended up going back and getting a job again. Had to rework my way back up the chain because I was in a pretty good position without a degree. Got you know, it. now mind you, so I'm going back into another arena and now they're like, well, you don't have a degree, so you got to start here. Got it. You know, so I kind of had to work my way back up, but I knew I had to work at it because, you know, once you've been in a certain environment, mm-hmm. It's hard to go into a different environment and not at least get back to where you left. Yeah. Right. So I finally got back to that space and then I excelled past that space. So by the age of 30 is when I hit uh, district level position uh, with the uh, uh, pharmacy store. And um, that's when I hit my first six figures in retail. Wow. And, yeah. and that's just your salary, your six-figure six salary. Was any of it commission? Uh, yeah, part of it was commission. Really? So, uh, not commission, bonus. Okay. Yeah, so part of it was bonus. So if we did, you know, hit certain metrics throughout the year, we were bonus as well. So with bonuses and salary combined, it was over six figures. Mm. Yeah. You know, there's this thing with corporate Americans who, like, why would I want to work, you know, and get, like, work for my money, right? Yeah. You know, and I know you said you hadn't really gotten, like, huge, huge success in MLM. Yeah. But what was your mindset as it related to money? Like, were you, like, did you have a mindset towards salary versus commission jobs? Or were you, like, mm, I'm kind of comfortable, but I do want to go for the vision? What was the caveat? I, I, I think because at such an early age, I got exposed to salary and mm. I got comfortable mm. with salary. Yeah. That that that's just what I was used to. Yeah. I didn't necessarily have a preference. It's just like, hey, this is what's always taking care of home. Mm-hmm. You know, so because, again, at 24, I was salary. So by the time I was 36 years later, it was just like, OK, I'm used to this and it feels good. It's comfortable. Yeah. And I wasn't mentally prepared uh, just yet to make the shift to say, you know what? I'm still more valuable than this. I'm like, this is it. This is the pinnacle of my income. I've never seen this much money okay. per year, mm-hmm. you know, and it, like I said, it really put us in a good position to navigate through life between my wife and my two kids. Right. We was able to navigate without a lot of pressure at that point. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it just felt comfortable. But I knew from all the personal development, from going to all the seminars, from being in multi-level marketing, from having some exposure with business, I knew that there was a different level. Yeah. And that it was going to take a sacrifice. and It was going to take me getting uncomfortable to reach that. Yeah. So at this time, what was your vision? Because like you had been selling people the vision of MLM. Yeah. You also have this strong foundation in family. What was your vision at the time? Did you have one? At this point, I, I really just wanted to I, I realized the position I had was not was not for me right so i got into this district level position i did it for about a year and my wife would see how stressed out i mean like once you get into that level type of position in most corporate arenas Mm -hmm. they own you Mm. you know they're paying you six figures they they want every drop you know so i felt like they own me and it was so stressful every single morning i got this work phone and, and, and I'm getting calls at six o'clock in the morning. Pharmacist calls off and I'm scrambling, like waking up out of my sleep, yeah. scrambling to find somebody to open the doors for a store. Yeah. And it was overwhelming. Like I, I had never really felt anxiety before. Mm. Like I was, I'm a very calm, cool, collected type of guy. Mm. And this is one of the first times I really started feeling anxiety and like feeling like overwhelmed and like a little bit of depression and uh, me and my wife talked multiple times about it and I was like I gotta get out of this 
you know so i started building my way out mm. you know i had good credit at the time i had some money put aside and i was like you know what we had came across a uh, a good friend of ours who had owned the truck and he was like i got a dump truck man you guys should get into the dump truck business and i was like let's do it like <laughs> tell me what to do yeah. let's do it like i need an exit like i need an exit so i immediately started looking for trucks started an llc like did all the paperwork I, like everything i needed to do um got my mc number like everything to get the truck going found the dump truck that was used got a loan um and uh, i also had it uh my truck financed through the bank i was with at the time okay so at this point a little bit of debt but i'm like it's healthy debt you know i'll be able to work through it i'm hearing how much my guy is making in the truck and he's mm -hmm. like bringing in three thousand thirty five hundred a week i'm like cool i can do that yeah found a driver i'm like go time and i uh, got my truck on the road august 1st of 2019 i'll never forget okay um and got on the road first day did well the mm -hmm. next day we was having issues with the truck the next day literally Yay. sent it to the shop and i spent about three thousand dollars to get it fixed yeah and it barely fixed anything mm. it's just i didn't know any better mm. and uh the truck just kept bleeding you know i would get on the road for a few days i'll get on the road for a week and it would make decent money while it's on the road and then it would break down yeah and uh i never forget <laughs> this is the toughest uh, uh entrepreneur experience i ever had in my life one time my truck was on the road and some gravel spilt out from us we was carrying like a couple tons of gravel and it spilt out gravel for about a quarter of a mile and it was like kind of big rocks Eesh. and cars were hitting the rocks blowing tires uh cracked a few windshields and i get a phone call and uh my driver's pulled over by the police and it's also, I also got another phone call from the, the, the site that he was going to deliver the gravel. And he was like, you're about to make a shut down our whole operation. The police is here. They got the, the cities on the phone. Like, you got to get this figured out. And me and a couple of buddies, literally, I hired, a, I, I rented a flatbed and we swept. The whole Quarter of street. a mile. Oh my gosh. In a six lane main street. Oh we my gosh. swept. How long did that take you? About four hours. Yikes. My hands was blistered. I, I, I never forget it, this experience. And I'm like, is this what entrepreneurship <laughs> really? <laughs> did I really want to let my job go for this? Yes. And at this point, I have kind of checked out from my job. Yeah. Like, I, was, I was missing days. I'm sacrificed. I'm just like, this is what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So I strategically got fired. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm like, okay, I'm leaving. I know I have to leave. So I'm going to get fired. Tell me about this strategy. Yeah, yeah. So Because so like, yeah, I mean, this, this is a real... It's a headache because yeah. I want to know what happens to the truck. Yeah. But I also want to hear about this, stra this strategy yeah, of getting yeah. fired. So, so again, August is when I got my truck. Yeah. My last day at my job was September 23rd okay. of the same year. So about a month and a half after I got my truck, I was terminated. But I had mm. already been planning this. Like, Got I had it. a whole plan. Like, I'm going to leave here strategically. Yes. I knew I would be able to apply for unemployment. Mm -hmm. That would give me a little bit of backing. Um, but I'm like, you know, I'm not just about to quit. Like, I talked to a couple mentors, and they was like, don't quit. Like, let them fire you. Mm -hmm. It's like, cool. Do what I got to do. Okay. So, went that route. They ended up firing me in September. At this point, my truck is up and down, up and down. I still got the truck, but it's yeah. up and down. And I don't know what to do. Like, I was relieved. Like, the day I got fired, I'm like, thank you. Like, it's, the stress. is working. Like, the stress, like, literally, like, when I handed them the phone and the laptop and the keys to the car. Yeah. I had a, you know, a company car, everything. I handed them the keys. And I was just like, I don't know what to do. Like, it just, like, 
it, it was such a breath of fresh air nice. from letting that go. Mm. And uh, I'm like, okay, I got to focus on the truck now, figure this out. But I'm like, it's up and down. I don't know if this is going to sustain me. Yeah. And literally the same day I got fired, I got a phone call from a nonprofit organization that I volunteered for. And uh, that's how I was do. I was speaking in schools, mind you. So this whole time, oh. from about the age of 25 until 30, 31, I've been speaking too. Okay. On the side, voluntarily. Mm-hmm. Like I'm speaking in juvenile centers. It's just what I love to do. I'm speaking in schools. Um, and uh, this nonprofit asked me to come back and volunteer for them again. And they said they had they needed a director. They're just like, hey, you know anybody that could fit this position? I'm like, well, I just <laughs> got fired. <laughs> so I'm free today. Like it was this, I drove across the street and they called me, like from being fired. And, um, it was awesome. Everything it kind of worked out in my favor at that time. I got plugged in as a director for a nonprofit. Learned okay. a ton about, you know, more intricate pieces about working in schools, getting okay. contracts with schools, grant okay. funding. Um, but I was getting paid through a grant. Yeah. And she was they were promising me a salary that was like, if the grant goes through. Right. And eventually I was like, hey, I, I got a family. Yeah, I yeah. can't depend on if yeah, like, yeah. I need it. It has to happen. Right. So I got paid a few times. Money was funny. And I was like, you know what? I can do this on my own. You know, I can make this happen on my own. So I took the skills I learned from that. I was like, I'm going to apply this to my own business. How long were you at the nonprofit? I was at the nonprofit for about maybe six months. Okay. Months. And what kind of nonprofit is it? So like, was it? It's a it youth empowerment. Yeah, it's a oh. youth empowerment nonprofit. So they literally focus on, they went in schools and I, I actually, I was a director over there in school programs. They had these curriculums they would take in schools and they would hit on different topics. So every week we would have a topic we would go over. It, it could be uh, um, money management. It could be uh, conflict resolution. It could be dealing with trauma. Uh, it could be uh, bullying. So mm. it was different topics we would go in and talk to the schools on. Mm-hmm. And we focus primarily on sixth to eighth grade students. Okay. Okay, so at this time, you were um, in your trucking business reluctantly. Yeah. Um, you went to be a director at a, non- at a, at a youth empowerment um, nonprofit for about six months. Yeah. And you're still doing MLM. Yeah. Got it. Well, no, at this point, I'm not doing MLM. You're not doing MLM. Yeah. Okay. I, I dropped MLM. By the time I got to a district level position, I was I just can't. It was too much that was required of me in my in my role. Mm. And, uh, and my wife was burnt out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. at that point, it was like, okay, I need not to focus. making the wife happy. We got to yeah. get them. <laughs> and yeah. it wasn't making you as happy. Nah, it was too much. It was overwhelming. Yeah. Okay. Got you. So when you go into those schools, it, so that means it's not too far fetched for me to like think about mo- uh, motivational speaking in a nonprofit, in a homeless shelter no, to no. get them into like, I feel like that's not, because at first, you know. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. I talk about that with, um, hey, y'all, let me tell you about my friends at Run the World Clothing. Run the World is a community empowerment brand that chooses to educate on black history, black culture, and black radical thought through apparel and experiences. Run the World is a vessel to celebrate the black experience for our black people and our allies. And I have on one of their latest pieces from this season's collection. So if you haven't seen Run the World Vic's episode on the Work and Play podcast, go check it out or go to their website to check out some of their apparel. 
Now let's get back to the episode. Talk, I talk about that with uh, my, my colleagues a lot. So we're going to have to talk a little bit offline you. because you already essentially do that. So what was your favorite topic to like do when you were like speaking at like, you know, with, with the young people in high school, right? Mm, uh, middle school. Primarily. Middle school. Okay. Yeah. So uh, actually one of my favorite speeches that we did, we, our topic was trauma and how, how to deal with trauma. Mm. And um, I'll never forget, I walked into a school, it was a packed out um, uh, cafeteria. Mm. And we were talking to a group of kids, probably about 200 kids or so there. And uh, we were talking about dealing with trauma and what it looks like and what it feels like and how, you know, part of what they're going through is, is also gonna be part of their story and how it can impact the lives of others. And we're really, really getting back to like self-love and feeling worthy. And I'll never forget a young lady, um, she got up and walked out really fast. And uh, I was kind of going deep on some things that some kids were probably dealing with at home. We were talking about, you might have been molested before. You may have had to deal with abuse. You may have not have your father, your mother in your life. And uh, you can tell it struck her. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was talking about the power of the mirror technique and how you can speak life into yourself and look into your own eyes and tell yourself that you are worthy mm. and that you are loved and that you love you. Right. Because sometimes we begin to hate ourselves because of stuff that someone else put us through. Right. Right. She got up and stormed out. And, I, and one of the principals or teachers came out and grabbed me. It's like, you might want to go talk to her. And I talked to her. I embraced her. She was just bawling. And she was just like what you were saying was hitting home too hard for me. I couldn't take mm. it. But she was like, I'm so grateful that you did speak on those things because I needed to hear it. I needed to still feel like I'm valuable. Mm. And uh, so that hit me. Like, that was like, okay, this is needed. Like, it's needed. Yeah. And um, ever since then, I was just like, I, I think I stepped my game up from that, from that time of speaking. Because that's serious. Like, yeah. your words having the power to unlock someone's, like, literally blo emotional block. Yes. That's important. Yes. And I think with these kids out here run, not, not being in touch with their emotions, mm -hmm. it's, it's dangerous. Yeah. So I feel like you, you can literally set some kids free who don't necessarily feel comfortable with um, speaking about their emotions, who don't feel like they're understood, yeah. like who don't feel like anyone even like resonates or, or they're only dealing with it by themselves. That yeah. can really unlock some young people. Yeah, because they feel like, I mean, at the end of the day, they feel like people don't care, mm. right? Or they're not seen. Mm. So as soon as someone comes in and really edifies that they do care and that they are seen and mm -hmm. that 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 child is important like that means the world to them because they might have been lacking at their whole like you imagine that their whole life they yeah. felt that way right and somebody comes in and they're like oh my god like mm -hmm. he knows what i'm going through yeah. and he sees me yeah you know so as a speaker what gives you the license and i'm i'm like playing devil's advocate right yeah. what gives you the license to talk about like trauma like is it life experience or mm -hmm. um and if you and if it is life experience like can you take me back to like something that you you resonate with when you when you're speaking to young people yeah absolutely um so to to answer that the initial question yeah life experiences you know i love how jeremy anderson says like they give you degrees to be able to teach in certain areas right you mm -hmm. might have a doctor's degree in trauma you know because you experienced it mm -hmm. you know so not saying that i've experienced it to that level mm -hmm. but if my experience and my message can change somebody's life who may even be dealing with it on a deeper level yeah or i can be 
person because they feel like their voice isn't heard, right? That's enough. And I think too many people are like shy. They're sh they shy away from speaking or sharing their story because they, they question themselves on whether or not they're qualified, right? Mm -hmm. Am I qualified to deliver this message? Do I have the certific certifications and the, the degrees and all the necessary requirements mm -hmm. to go speak on this? Yeah. And I would tell people if you have experienced some of it yeah. or even if someone close to you have experienced some of it, yeah, you can, you're qualified. Even if you can tell a story from somebody who's experienced it, you're qualified, mm. right? I've sent Oprah's, you know, story to many young ladies, right? It doesn't have to be my message. Hey, look, you need to watch this video. Sometimes they just need a resource, right? Right. If I can connect them to the right resource, that's, that's enough sometimes. Mm -hmm. But as far as my own personal um, background and traumas, um, you know, I love my mom and, and, and dad to life. And, you know, I, I always speak highly of both of them. But there was a lot of turmoil when I was a kid. You know, my mom and dad, they went at it for many, many years. And I think they really stuck things out because of us. Uh, and then, you know, actually only a few years ago, they got divorced, but over 24 years, 25 years of being married as all of us were growing up and they were trying to basically make it work. Yeah. Um, but, you know, seeing the verbal, you know, abuse and back and forth and the yelling and the arguments and, you know, feeling like sometimes it got so heated, like literally I would step in between them and I'm like, well, nothing's going to happen if I'm standing right here. Like, I mean, literally, yeah, like I would see them get so close and be so angry and I would see fists balled up and I would insert myself in mm -hmm. between. It was mostly from my mom. Like, yeah, you're not about to you're not about to do that. Yeah. And I would step in between them. And, um, you know, it was scary sometime. And, you know, sometime a little bit of pushing and shoving, never any major, you know, type of things that happen. But just that level of arguing, like high level, like faces, like crying. My mom would be bawling and I would just talk to my mom like, mom, just walk away. Like I would turn around sometime be like, it's okay. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Just love on her. And, um, and I was just, you know, it was unfortunate, but we had to live through that. We had to experience some of that. Mm. And, um, again, I, I love my father to life now, you know what I'm saying? And then, and, uh, and, and I, I just feel like they might've not been a perfect fit, but they were perfect for us at the time. Yeah. You know, I'm not perfect. I, I, I was birthed out of something that was imperfect, if that makes sense. And I think kids need to understand that. Like, even if you're dealing with a very traumatic situation and you were birthed out of something imperfect that's okay mm. you know you're still the best version of you you still can be the best version of you even if you was born out of imperfection that makes sense as a child did you grow up with a certain schema about like who you were as the leader of the family as a child or you clearly thought or knew that you would protect your mom as a kid even yeah. though dad is this big and you never got like yeah. hurt in the crossfire but yeah. like what complex did you take from that what was your role or what role did you decide I'm going to live after like living as a kid and growing up? Um, well, I'm a mama's boy, as you, can, <laughs> as you can probably tell. So I'm a mama's boy. And, um, you know, it's so funny. Me speaking the other day, uh, she saw it in common. It was like, you know, this brought me to tears. Mm. And, um, you know, so for me, I've always had like this innate you know, belief that I have to protect and take care of my mom. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I ended up, I did have to step up to the plate, you know, when I was around 18, my dad had a stroke and I had to step in and like really hold things down for my mom and my siblings. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think even my siblings would probably say that I just naturally kind of took on a big brother role, even to some of my older siblings, you know, and that, that just was, I can't explain it. 
Yeah. You know, I know I, I took a strong liking to my grandfather. Like I said, he was a minister and he really brought a lot of like, he. it was just the energy he brought when he stepped in the room. Like everyone respected it. Everyone was like, he's, he's amazing. You know, and I would remember shaking his hand uh, when I was four and I could feel like I would shake his hand. I could feel the energy. Yeah. Like it was something like feel divine, literally. And I just aspired to be like that one day, mm. you know, and I think it was just something that just happened inside of me unconsciously at a very, very early age that made me want to be great and stand out as a leader and really develop myself along my journey. Yeah. Well, you certainly have that presence. I mean, like Thank just you. sitting here and having you talk, <laughs> I feel like you, you have this like vibrant um, like high vibration meaning, uh, personality slash voice slash presence. Um, so when I think about like your story, I know like everything up until this point has just kind of made you the man that you are. I know yeah. you've, you've pulled, you've picked up some identities from the past and, um, as father, as son and as yep. brother and all of those different roles take, take on shape. It influences your message. Mm -hmm. um, but when you think about like your message, like what you actually want to be your message in this in this moment, even if it changes in the future, like yeah. what is that? What is that one thing that kind of resonates in all of your speeches, no matter what you're talking yeah. about? So actually something that, that really started to resonate more with me now than ever before. And I really think it's at the core of what I am and will deliver going forward. And it's really being able to tap into the best version of yourself and being comfortable with giving that person permission to step forward mm. right so um as i've been really working on my personal development i, I spent some time uh, i got off social media for about four months and uh it was really for me to really get a better understanding of who i was and um and i i, I realized that social media was pulling away some some time that i didn't really have to give right now you know I'm like okay i need to do some self-love some self-care some self-healing and i took that time and i gave myself permission to have that time away from the social media world and during that journey i spent a lot of time meditating i mean a lot mm. i would wake up literally every morning around five o'clock and uh, i would pray and i would meditate for about 10 to 20 minutes and then when i went to bed that night i would turn on a uh it was a specific meditation sound that I would listen to to really get in tune with my my frequency as I was going to sleep and I would hold it I would try to hold a thought in my mind as I was going to sleep as I was listening to this meditation sound but um to kind of put that in uh, uh, perspective, one of the main things that happened during one of my meditations is I visualized literally me walking up to myself, mm -hmm. right? And I looked at myself and I'm like, he looks, he looks awesome. Like, like he clean, he, like he lost a little bit of weight. He, he looked a little buff. Like it was just a, it was just an image. And I'm just like, he, he looked like he has so much confidence and, and self belief. And, and, uh, and I walked up to him and I shook his hand and I knew it was me, mm. but he seen, it seemed like he was on a whole different caliber and I was like wow I was amazed by seeing this version of me mm. and I'll never forget in this meditation and this visualization visualization I shook his hand and I said you're not gonna get that much farther away from me ever again like from now on we're gonna be side by side right yeah. so that experience did something to me yeah it, it really helped me understand like you know number one we have something in us that we underestimate you know and that we have the ability to tap into that and also give ourselves permission to let that be the person that leads right because a lot of times we're leading from a place of trauma and bad habits and you know uh, lack of discipline and things of that nature when we know it's somebody inside of us that has all that stuff in order that operates on a, on a level that we 
we could only imagine, but if you can imagine it, is it not in there? Right. Right? So if we say we can only, I can only imagine. Well, imagine it. Like, yeah. and then don't just imagine it. Go inside of the imagination and pull it out. And I did, I've, I've learned to start tapping into that. I won't say that I'm all the way there yet. Mm -hmm. It's deeper. It's a higher level. And even when you get there, there's a higher level, right? Mm -hmm. But I'm getting, I've gotten closer and closer to that best version of myself. And I'm really starting to force him out. I'm mm -hmm. starting to let him take lead. Let's, let's go there then. Yeah. What, like, give it a name. What is that thing? What is that thing or things that you need to like, you know, work through, mm -hmm. at least revisit in order to like, kind of get to your next level as far as you can see? Yeah, so really, um, it, it starts off for me, it starts off with number one, getting in tune with me. Mm -hmm. When I start my day, right being very intentional and in tune with myself right mm -hmm. so that's where the prayer and meditation comes in right mm -hmm. do that first and then for me and what i've found out that makes my day go great like high frequency very effective day pray meditate workout mm -hmm. right so now my body my frequency is on a much higher level mm -hmm. right also going into the day with a plan so plan your day at least the night before yeah right so having my day planned so i heard jim Rohn said don't start your day until you finish it right so finish it first on paper mm. then when you start your day it's already finished you got it right here listed out right so starting your day when it's all, once it's already finished and then operating with a high level of expectation to to get your day like have an effective day right and get those things done so knowing what you're going to be doing having your day planned and then just executing yeah. execute right because after all the prayer and everything is done you still have to take action right so when i've done those things consistently oh man like it's just hidden 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 and then as you get wiser and you start to get new information you can add that into the process too right because yeah. we're always growing we're always learning mm -hmm. but you need to do the best you can with what you know right now right if you're not doing the best you can with what you know right now, you're doing yourself a disservice and you're, you're also being selfish to the people who need you to execute at a high level to unlock them. You with me? Yeah. Like some people need you to be the best version of yourself to give them permission to be the best version of themselves. Yeah. And we don't look at it like, like that sometimes. We look at it in a very selfish way sometimes. Like, ah, oh, well, I had a bad day. Well, your bad day just cost them another day. Your bad day just caused those kids to not get the message that you had stored inside of you. Mm -hmm. Your bad day didn't allow, you know, that, that young person that you inspire every day when you put a message out on social media or on a platform, it didn't allow them to see that message and hear that message and maybe now they want to give up so we sometimes we're a little selfish in, in our level of execution and who it could be impacting you better speak today <laughs> look you better speak you talk yeah. about somebody took somebody to church today you're taking me to church because i missed my sermon thank you i, got you. I appreciate that Absolutely. I, there are times i feel like i execute on a 10 maybe like 89 out of 90 days right yeah. i, I feel like but then but then there are days when i'm just like yeah. you know that 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 next day i feel like okay well i, I i'm i'm typically on on 10 give yourself yeah. a break and i just try to keep being my motivational speaker in my head mm -hmm. until i get back to it but that one day that 89 that 90 90th day where i slack that's the reason i said 90 because it kind of affects yeah. the next 10 because i'm like <laughs> i'm working to get back to that 10 and i'm like gotcha. the next 10 are somewhere between but you're right that slight that slight down day is yeah. affecting someone who's actually looking at me and and i think that's what even allows me to not like tap all the way into like all of the things that it makes to be who i am because yeah. i slack off my 10 and i'm like oh it's okay for you to slack off because i slack off too yeah 
I think so. I think um, one thing in, in relation to that, when you know you're going hard, you know you're giving it your all, you do have to think of self-care. Like, I don't want people to neglect like mm. that. You still have to take care of yourself, right? Mm. And you have to give yourself, and if it has to be baked into your schedule, mm-hmm. however you arrange it, right? So mm-hmm. if you got a significant other, don't go so hard that you forget date nights. If you got kids, don't go hard that you forget about time with your kids, right? That's yes. going hard too. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, like, I heard this and this was so, oh, I'm so glad this just came to me. This was so powerful. I heard a young, I heard a gentleman say, I can't remember his name. I would love to reference him, but I heard a gentleman say one time, he said, you know, God has worked miracles, right? And he created so many things. And and, and it's so important that we, we, we execute at a high level because God put six days of like hard work into creating what we see, right? Yeah. But he said, you know, what's equal to that hard work is the seventh day of rest. He said he gave that seventh day just as much value as he did the days of creation. Mm. And I was like, ah, that was it. That was it because sometimes we try to go so hard that we forget rest. Yeah. We forget that we need to be rejuvenated. We Mm -hmm. forget that taking a break is part of the process, Mm -hmm. right? So you have to give yourself permission to say, okay, I need a day to recover so I can still deliver at a high level. Yeah. But if you don't bake it in, you'll try to look past it. And then when you just kind of fall, then you don't even get up back. You don't get back upright. Exactly. So you need to plan that day. Mm-hmm. Plan that day like this is my day to rest and recover, y'all. I'm laying back. I'm getting the spa treatment. I'm turning the phone on. Do not disturb. Whatever you need to do to unplug and rejuvenate, do yeah. that so you can still deliver at a high level. Yeah. That's important. It's just as important. Yeah. I don't want anybody to overlook that. It's just as important. God ranked rest at the same level as execution, right? So just remember that when you're moving and going and getting it and you taking action and getting results, yeah. Rest is ranked just as high as execution. Plan yeah. it. Take advantage of it. It's there for a reason. Yeah. Right? So That's strong. You speaking straight to me. I mean, I don't know if you guys got anything out of that one. Yeah. <laughs> but I definitely did because, like, I what I would do is go six and a half days. And then just because, like, my energy is, like, low, I, I kind of half, I, I do a half, pota- half potato uh, rest day when I should have, yeah. like, literally committed. Take the whole day. Like, 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 gee, like God did. Yeah, um, give us a permission for that and, and then if you have a day where your body just shuts down on you yeah you know because it happens yeah like we go so hard I, I i would not forget like it was a moment where i was waking up at like 4 30 4 45 and i would go into like 11 11 30 yeah. and do it the next day and do it the next day and i i never forget this one day like i felt like i couldn't function like my brain wasn't working like my body was shutting down i would just I, I laid down and i slept like midday like i never sleep midday like <laughs> I just laid down and slept. And it was kind of weird because I did feel like I was lacking, right? But my body was just like, bro, you need to slow down. Yeah. Right? And I did that and I, I felt up, I woke up feeling guilty. And then a word came to me, it was like, have some grace. My mentor kept telling me this. He said, you gotta learn how to have some grace with yourself. Yeah. Right? So when you're in an entrepreneur space and you're going hard and you know you got purpose and you're purpose driven and you're just giving it your all you still have to remember to have grace i'll even add another word with that and uh one of my mentors now mentor i would say uh Dwayne, he told me say he says a, a tag team it's a twin of words that i want you to always remember he said grace and mercy mm. right 
He'd have grace and mercy, right? Because forgiveness is a form of mercy, yeah. right? So have some grace with yourself. As you're moving and operating at a high level, you got to be a little graceful too. Yeah. You know, we move with grace, but give yourself some grace. Yeah. You you deserve it. When you're impacting lives and, and really changing people, that's a, that's a heavy work. got to have some grace with yourself. That's real. You you preaching. You definitely preaching. I don't know if you knew that's what you were going to do today, <laughs> but hey, this is happening. Yeah. So it's, it's easy. You know, I should say it's easy for me because I um, it's just me. Mm -hmm. Right. I'm not a mom. Not a, I'm a sister. But those don't carry the same responsibilities as yeah. uh, husband and father. Yeah. Right. Um, and even and even son to a degree, because you you kind of um, are a leader in your family, Absolutely. even though you're you're not the oldest. So, like, how do you um, how do you balance, you know, like self-care and entrepreneurship mm -hmm. with a family? Uh, I would say for a lot of individuals and I, I'm being honest with myself right now as well. It's, it's a learning process. Mm -hmm. You know, I think when you're really diving into entrepreneurship, unless you've been in it for years and you've really gotten on a, uh, on a, a good frequency with your family or with your relationships that you keep trying to learn and reinvent. I'll be honest with you. Um, and I, hopefully my wife is open to this transparency, but you know, she's not used to me or, or the space of like big events and like, you know, that level of like rah, rah, excitement, excitement. I am. I'm mm. an extrovert. Mm. She's more introvert. Right. So having her in that environment is a little overwhelming. And, and I didn't know how to like be understanding of like how she was feeling in that type of space. But she connected with somebody who was like, yeah, maybe you just need to like maybe take a day out of that space. And when she told me about that, I was like, yeah, maybe she right. Mm -hmm. Like I, I didn't know how to say that to you, but maybe she right. So me being who I am, being a very, you know, I can go all day. Like I'm a, I'm a speaker. It's a natural gift for me. Mm -hmm. So I can go all day interacting, speaking, speaking all the time and being that high energy. I'm a high energy guy. So it's like, that's very natural for me. But for my wife, I have to learn to be understanding that that's not natural for her. Mm -hmm. She comes far out of her element to be present and supportive when I'm in my element mm -hmm. and she's beside me. Mm -hmm. So I'm learning like, and I'm talking about right now, I'm learning how to be more understanding of, okay, as I'm growing in this entrepreneurship space, right? How can I still be mindful of the space she needs while she's supporting me? Yeah. Right. How can we still be mindful of the interactions that we need to have with our kids? Like, you know, I, I want to be at all my son's boxing classes. Right. He's six and he's starting to get, you know what I'm saying? He's starting <laughs> to do his thing. And I want to be there for all of those. So I don't want to sacrifice those moments for entrepreneurship mm -hmm. or business. That's the purpose while I, while I got into it. Yeah. To gain more control over my time. Not to just, not, don't get me wrong. It's an investment. Like entrepreneurship is a time and commitment. It's an investment. But you also have to have a certain level of balance and high expectation of how you're going to commit to your family because I heard uh, Jeremy Anderson reference Inky Johnson and say don't be a public success and a private failure yeah you know I don't want to be that private failure where I'm failing at home I'm failing with my commitment to my family I'm failing with my commitment to my kids or expectation with my kids but I look like I'm succeeding out here in the public world speaking like I don't want that yeah yeah that's real. That's real. I think we we talk about it, even like some of the folks that in the morning meetup who mm -hmm. talk about like entrepreneurship. We're so like gung ho into it, but a lot of us are single, and yeah. some of them who some of us who do have spouses. That's a, that's a whole other like.
like um, energy source that can yeah. make or break the Absolutely. entrepreneurship journey and then make or break the family unit. So it's important that as a leader, kind of yes. going back to leadership, that you be in tune with that energy shift, with yeah. that vibration shift and be able to be self-aware enough to check yourself in situations that yeah. like, you know, we you're going to continue to elevate because like, not that I'm saying you, you don't look good, but yeah. you're going to have your, your cock diesel arms like you envision. <laughs> you're going to be at that higher vibration and it's only yeah. going to take more and more and more commitment. So having that conversation and being real with yourself, I think that is that is commendable and it's respectable for Thank sure. You. Like yeah. as a husband who's out here doing it and then, you know, trying to stay committed to the family growth as well. Yeah. So I'm curious, um, like when it comes to like the whole, you know, work and play dynamic, for me, I can make it look like whatever I want mm-hmm. and I don't necessarily have to consider anyone else's yeah. ideal of it just yet. Yeah. So when you think about like the ideal situation is it like what does that look like for you and does that like is it heavily influenced by the fact that you have these other roles I've gotten so many questions about this brand and I'm super excited to share that this episode is sponsored by Black is Wealth Clothing. Now, Black is Wealth was created to inspire and empower our culture to tap into our wealth. Now, when we talk about wealth, we're not just talking about financial wealth, we're talking about the strength, resilience, and brilliance that lives inside of all of us. Now, by tapping into our wealth, we can create any form of wealth that we desire. So, if you like this shirt or any other shirt that you've seen me sport on my Instagram or any other sh- any other platform, then go check them out at blackiswealth.com. I love this one and y'all are gonna love it too. Now let's get back to the episode. Uh, when you said the ideal like type of... Now, I wanna say, I don't wanna say balance because I, I believe that they're like interwe- interwoven. Mm-hmm. As an entrepreneur, we live, breathe, and eat what we do. Especially yeah. since like your skill set, your speaker. Yeah. You speak all the time. We all yeah. speak, but you really are a speaker. You get paid for it. So, yeah. you know, like what is the ideal balance of like getting paid for what you do and then kind of just not? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I think I spent so many years doing what I do for free. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's how I really knew it was a passion and just like a, it was a gift. You know, like I, I would still do it for free. Mm. I get paid for it now. So, <laughs> you know, as you get, you know, as you get better and better in your craft and you start to get more and more exposure, mm-hmm. of course, there's going to be a certain level of like, hey, you know, if you're bringing me on board, you would pay somebody else to do the same thing I'm doing. So, you know, treat me the same way. Right. Um, but uh, ideally, I guess a few things like, for example, we was out, me and my wife and my family, my kids were out bowling. Uh, a few weeks back and for me what I do in my craft like you said it's my life right it's not just like when I hit hit the stage or I'm in the school like I turn on like always on and it's, it's it can be frustrating sometimes but I'm just I'm always on yeah and it was a young man who um looked like he was there with his mom and uh she was trying to show him how to bowl a little bit and I looked at him I could bowl pretty decent right so I looked at him bowl and he had a pretty decent bowl but he was kind of a little it was a little unorganized right so um when he was right next to us I went over there and I said, hey, man, like when you when you swing your arm and you kind of sway, sway your leg to the side, I said, uh, don't stumble, like keep your, your posture and your balance straight. And I said, keep it solid. Mm-hmm. And I told him the, the line to roll his ball down uh, or his ball down. And uh, he hit some pins and his, his form got better. And when I say his face lit up and uh, even my wife was she would attest to it. She was watching like he would watch every bowl I did from that point. And he would bowl and look back at me. Yeah. Like, did you see it? Like. <laughs> 
And I just met this kid and she almost got teary eyed because she was like, babe, this is a real gift of yours. Like you just stepped in and he was so excited just to see you and be seen by you. It did something to that young man. Mm-hmm. And it just happened. Like it was just so natural for me. I'm like, hey man, come here for a second. It wasn't scripted. It wasn't, it was, it was just a natural flow for me. Yeah. And I like to empower young people to just, whatever it is you're doing, if I can help you a little bit, if I give you a little bit of direction and it helps you be better in that area, that's what I'm here for. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to ever ask for no money for that. You know, I didn't look at his mom and say, look, you know, yeah, yeah. no, this is just what I do. Yeah. You know, so I think part of it is just life. And then a part of it is very business professional. And, you know, yeah, you need to put, you know, a financial contribution attached to or to your service. Right. Um, but if I never, if I was doing something else and I was getting paid good money, I would still speak just for the love of speaking. I love it. And the impact. I love it. I love it. Now, I definitely, I definitely am going to close out. I'm going to let you close out. But I'm just kidding. What happened to the, what happened to the truck? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, November of 2019. Okay. So, my truck was literally on the road from August to November. Mm. And by November, I spent almost about $20,000 in repairs. Ooh, they say fail fast. Yeah. And uh, the last repair... I was tapped out at this point, you know, all my little savings and money I had put, I thought I needed about 15 to 20 to just as backup money to keep me afloat. And that money started going so quick mm-hmm. between gas, insurance, paying my driver. Um, you know, I was paying a, 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 I had a lease agreement, not lease agreement. Um, I was paying a, a, I was paying on a truck because the bank financed it. So I was paying them back on a truck. So, mm-hmm. um, all these expenses on top of the breakdowns. Yeah. So that money went super fast. So last breakdown in November, I just could not afford about 10 grand that was needed to get it back up and running. And, uh, I couldn't afford it. So I let them repossess the truck. So it set me back. Mm-hmm. It really set me back. And um, it was such a great learning experience. Like, And some people have a hard time saying that through the pain. It was a, it was such a great learning experience. Yeah. It was painful. Mm-hmm. But it was such a great learning experience. I learned so much from that. I could teach somebody how to start a truck. And be, like, I could teach like what I did beginning to end, how I yeah. booked, like everything. And mm-hmm. it's probably a course in me somewhere on that. You know what I'm saying? But it's, it's not my lane. But I learned so much from that pain and that experience. Mm-hmm. And it also helped push me towards where I was supposed to be. You know, for so many years, I knew that speaking was my gift. But for some reason, I didn't think that it was the gift that would pay me enough or get me in a position where I could take care of my family from that gift. Yeah. So I'm just thinking, I got to work a job. I got to have this other business you know I'm a licensed life insurance broker right now as well I do some real estate as well and like I'm thinking all these things are going to be the things that make sure I'm taken care of and truth be told your gift can be that thing that keeps your family taken care of your gift can pay all your bills and put you in a great financial position and I'm just now just now guys I'm just now really taking that and owning it Mm -hmm. you know like my gift is going to be the platform that gets me to where I want to be in life So it might take some years. Mm -hmm. It's going to take some beat up. It's going to take some pressure. Mm -hmm. Um, But as you navigate through life, whatever that thing is that's in you that just keeps saying, like, let me out. Like, I'm I'm what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. Like, not all these other distractions of this can make you a lot of money and this can make because a lot of stuff that can make you a lot of money right now. Absolutely. You know, whatever that thing is that's stirring inside that keeps calling your name and saying, let me out. You got to get to a point where you listen and allow that thing to really carve the way, pave the way. And doors will open from that. I think people are fearful of saying, well, if I just speak, maybe I No, speaking will lead to a book. You know, speaking will lead to a course. Speaking might lead to what I experienced today. 
you know, a whole academy, a, a conference yeah. for speakers. Yeah. You know, so it can open so many doors if you just focus on the lane and get become a master at your craft. Everybody wants to be a handyman. Learn to be a master at something. Yeah. Absolutely. That's the secret. I hear you 100%. Um, I almost lost my thought how good that was. <laughs> I, I mean, it's crazy. But, um, but no, that makes sense. For the record, where do you want to go? So that way, when you put that out into the the ethernet, the the ether right. say, or the universe, yeah. um, so God can hear you. What is it that you really are working towards? For yeah. the record, yeah. So I want to be. I'll say the next because right now one of my coaches and mentors is the is the current. But I want to be the next number one youth motivational speaker in the world, hands down. And uh, my goal at this point is to do everything necessary to get to that. You know, everything necessary within you know my core values and and, and the right means and making sure my family is still at the top of my priority list. Mm -hmm. But I'm, I'm gonna do everything I have to 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 be the number one youth motivational speaker. I don't care to be the best motivational speaker in the world. It's mm -hmm. not really my goal, but in the youth space, mm -hmm. that's the level of impact that I'm going to make. Yeah. Yes, it's already done. And and I'll tell for anybody before we finish, um, whatever you want to do, whatever your aspirations is, goal is, you got to get so in tune with that thing. Like you need to have it written down on goal cards. You need to have the pictures around you. You need to create an environment of excitement and belief and imagination and dreams. Mm. Like you need to see that thing every day because something I teach is that wherever you're facing, wherever your eyes is looking, you're typically going that direction, right? So there's power in putting things before your eyes. Mm -hmm. If you can see those things every single day, those words, those images, that's why environments are so impactful. When you get in certain environments, it changes your entire energy, yeah. right? So imagine if you can start creating some of those environments from the current space that you're in every single day, your home. Like one of my goals is to retire my mom by March of next year, right? That's a major goal of mine. Yeah. And I know exactly how much it's going to cost to get her off her job and I'll pay her that salary every single year, right? But in order for that, that goal to truly manifest in my life, I had to start creating an atmosphere that was conducive to that vision. Mm -hmm. So when I wake up, I got a goal written on the side of my bed this way, a goal written on the side of my bed this way. When I sit up, I got a goal written on my wall. I got a picture of my mom with all these goals and, and writings around it yeah. and it's her holding me blowing out a candle when I was a baby wow. and uh, and on there I wrote down you've had my back all my life it's time for me to have yours right so little things like that that get you so in tune with the vision and it really stirs something inside of you because we all have a why but does it stir you yeah have you gotten in tune with it enough that it really gets you going in the moments where you don't feel like doing it because you're gonna have to do some things you don't feel like doing but if you get in tune with your vision and your goal and your why so deeply that it stirs something in you now the vibration now the law of attraction yeah now the frequency is starting to be on the right level to match whatever that frequency is in the universe connected to the goal a lot of people are missing that they don't understand that if your frequency isn't matching the the frequency of the universe mm -hmm. attached to the goal mm -hmm. you won't reach it right you got to get your frequency there and then it just it locks it locks with the universe's frequency frequency yeah and then you're like well I still don't know how I'm gonna get there then somebody comes into the picture and you're like where did they come from the universe made that part happen yeah oh where did this somebody called me was like hey man I got a house I want to sell I, I heard you did some real estate oh cool I wasn't even trying to do it but it happened yeah. right the universe was in tune yeah because I was in tune mm-hmm so people got to work on their frequency and get it up to the right vibration in order to connect with the frequency connected to the goal. Absolutely. 100%. Man, this is, this is 
like, this is a personal episode for me, man. I love it. I love it. I mean, I'm serious. Like, yeah. my coach was, my coach would definitely, I'm going to have to talk to her about this. Yeah. So, um, you know, I typically ask um, this question in, um, in the spirit of Sankofa yeah. as we reach back. Um, but you do a really good job of speaking to really everybody. And I think yeah. anybody could resonate with what you said. Thank you. Like your entire experience. But I think what I would love for you to do is like tap into that corporate, that corporate soul. Mm -hmm. Because I think you had really good success early on um, at Target, which might not seem corporate from the ground up, but it really is. Yeah. You just, a lot of people just don't see what it looks like on the other side of, of that experience. And then you went on to have another nine to five, you even went into the MLM space, so you got to see a little bit of what your own skills could accomplish, yep. sales, all of that. But one thing that resonates, it's kind of like, I want to say you just never, at least you don't speak too much of like fear, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not to say it wasn't ever there. Yeah. <laughs> so I know it's in there, yeah. but if you could reach back to that person who's in corporate and they don't necessarily understand how they can make certain shifts, yeah. right? What would you say to that person so that you can help them unlock what's inside of them so that they can be their best self? If they're in corporate, the first thing I would say to somebody in corporate, because I've actually spoken to, you know, young business professionals um, and for the corporate space, I always tell everybody, uh, number one, learn to be your, your own authentic, like be your authentic self. Like people are afraid to be authentic and transparent in the corporate space. Mm -hmm. But that's what if you pay attention to the corporate space now, it's starting to gravitate more and more towards that. Right. Mm -hmm. Allowing people to have their own identities, allowing people to uh, be more inclusive in the, de the decision making of corporate um, initiatives. And um, I would tell number one, be try as hard as you can to really be your authentic self. Right. If you're in a corporate space and you know that that's the space you're in, and you, maybe you just got to be there right now. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, be your authentic self and uh, and really understand and value people right because in the corporate it's in really any arena but when you're in the corporate space or in like I was in the retail space like one thing that I was known for is my level of customer service like I engage people very authentically like I when you had an interaction with me it was one of those interactions that you was like, I'm gonna remember this guy because I just brought that level of intention mm -hmm. to wanting to know, like know who you are and treat you with the utmost, the best service possible. And I think for a lot of people like, and that's not just to the customers, that was to my team. Yeah. They're my, they're your first customer. Yeah. So if you're in a customer, if you're in a, uh, uh, the corporate or retail space, your first customer is your team, right? So if you're in a leadership role, you have to learn how to treat your team with a high level of value like they make your business great like they are the reason you are where you are right so for me I treated my team that way I treated my customers that way and I really started developing an understanding and a, and a higher level understanding for people right so if you study people you study characteristics of people you study uh, different demographics and you know I've I, I worked in different you know different demographics so I learn about like what this type of people were like mm -hmm. you know and uh, I'll never forget working in a predominantly Hispanic community you know and it was like they look at me and they're like you can speak Spanish right <laughs> like nah I can't man I know I look like it I can you know you know poquito like I, I can't get much out there but um but like just the interaction with them was so awesome mm. because like they wanted me to know more and I wanted to know more and we would just be authentically engaged with each other so Whatever the scenario is, corporate space, retail space, business space, 
you gotta you gotta understand people. Yeah. You gotta value people. Mm. You gotta value interaction and time with people. Because guess what? When people are working, especially if they're working for you in your space, they're also sacrificing time with someone else that they could be with. Absolutely. There, a lot of people are sacrificing their time with their kids and their their loved ones to be in that space to provide. You have to value that. Yeah. You know. So that's what I would say. That'll be my message in the in the corporate arena. That's that's dope. And you know, yeah. as I ask you these questions, I re I realize you're so you're very aware of like connecting with the audience, which is a yeah. whole nother like podcast about just speaking. <laughs> yeah. But you do a really good job. Like I I bet because I was a Toastmaster. Hey guys, it's Ariel from the Work and Play Podcast. If you're getting any value from this channel, and I mean anything from the tutorials to the podcast to the random videos that you see on this channel, then I just ask that you do one thing. Please subscribe. Subscribe and share this to anyone that you think this resonates with and drop a comment below so I know what other things that you want to see next. Now let's get back to the episode. I oh, bet if I threw a, a couple, hey, a couple I'll of pushed, topics. I picked them out the hat. <laughs> I used to pick them out the hat. And I don't care what the topic was. I went up there. I did some Toastmasters. I could tell. Yeah, I, yeah. I could throw you an alley-oop or two and then you'll kill it. I, I, I think that'll be dope. Yeah. But thank you so much for joining me on Absolutely. the podcast. You have been a really cool guest to have you, because like you. you're on your you're on your path. Your energy is a little different because you're in that that motivational speaker space and it really is a different vibration it is because because you are who you are you might not feel your vibration all the yeah. time but i'm telling you from my perspective i feel it Thank so you. whatever you feel when you're talking to the jeremy andersons of the world and the ets and whatever that's what that's what i'm feeling from you right now thank okay? you thank you yeah and for anybody who's watching if you guys are looking to find me you can catch me on instagram uh it's my first and last name daoud d-a-w-u-d and my last name hamza h-a-m-z-a-a it's the same thing on Facebook and I'm also I just just getting my website started but maybe by the time you guys see this it'll be all the way tight in together but it's hypeworldwide.org hype h-y-p-e worldwide.org and I didn't really get a chance to talk about hype too much but that is my platform for speaking and hype just means helping you produce excellence mm. um, so I started that a few a few years ago in all of my businesses when I started my trucking it was hype trucking when I got into real estate it was hype investing and now I have hype just in general but I'm branding it as hype worldwide now so yeah it's, it's, it's go time that's that it is go time yeah. that's really awesome so everything will be in the description he kind of took it he kinda, i didn't even have to throw him that one because i typically would be like how can they connect with you but yeah i took it from me but it's good you really are on the road so if you guys resonated with um the story today then i think you guys know what to do you are we got lots of steps so if you didn't take notes i need you to replay this episode for the views and for the story for the, for the lesson <laughs> and uh, go ahead and do what you know you got to do to be your best self so without further ado thank you so much for pleasure. joining me Absolutely. thank you all so much for watching peace out